Check Complete, a referee podcast, is an educational resource for referees by referees designed to connect and develop soccer officials of all ages and skill levels to better serve the game both on and off the field. The Check Complete podcast is back, baby. It's Gordy alongside... Brendan Sweetman. Brendan Sweetman. Hope you guys missed me. No one did. Um, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Brendan is back. Uh, I am back. We are on episode five. Can you believe it? Episode five. I can't actually believe it. I thought this was four. We can't. <laughs> <laughs> Math is hard. Um, yeah, episode five. It's it's plugging along. Thank you for those of you that have stuck along with us this whole time. Uh, we appreciate that. For those that have not been watching, you obviously won't see this, but... Um, we hate you. Some choice words for you. <laughs> yeah. That's right. No, um, yeah, Check Complete Podcast. We're rolling along here. We're excited. Today we've got some um, topics that are very relevant, and I think the media and the news have highlighted the mistreatment of sports officials and just kind of the rather caustic, borderline toxic environment around youth sports that shows up all too frequently, okay? Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that today, and we have uh, an exciting interview with Brenda Hilton. Brenda is going to be joining us. She um, does a few different things, but we're talking with her about her role with a group called Officially Human. We're going to link in our the description of our YouTube video and in our social media profiles, their social media accounts and their website. Go check them out. They're Elevating Respect. That's part of their name of their platform, but uh, humanizing the sports official, getting kind of um, attention to the person that's, as they say, behind the stripes, but that applies to all of the sports um, that they work with. So we're super excited to chat with her. We hope you'll enjoy that interview as well. One of the things that we hear fairly consistently as we teach classes, and one of the things that I started doing as I was teaching the entry-level clinics for soccer officials here in Kansas City, was I would have them write down on a sticky note. I would say, what are the things that you're most apprehensive about or nervous, fearful as you get into officiating? And I think anybody could probably say, um, that it predict what the responses are um, almost always, and it is mistreatment by spectators and coaches. Um, and if it's not that, then it's making a bad decision or not knowing how to do something. And I think the grass or the, the root underneath it, the grassroots issue underneath grass it, that's not issue. what I meant. I don't know why grassroots came out, probably because <clears throat> of, of everything we're talking about with um, moving up the ladder as referees. But the undercurrent of that concern is uh, obviously what will happen if I make a mistake. And generally that is to, to be um, vocally disagreed with, if you will. So as we deal with this, that this is something you know that we're facing as a culture, um, and especially in the youth sports arena. And so we, we try to figure out what, what is it that we can help, and, and I think lots of organizations are figuring out how can we best help officials be successful, especially those that are early in their careers. So uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what is the line, okay? Where do we draw that line and, and kind of the, what are the things that we need to, to, to pay attention to? And then, and then from there, it's what are the options that we have and how we deal with that? And it might be, I think some of this is probably pretty much the same across the board, mm -hmm. but there are things that might be a little bit more unique and specific to your context as you are working around uh, the country or the world. So um, we hear this a lot, don't we, Brendan? From we, new we referees. Do. Yeah, we do. All of all of our classes, we have 
people asking, hey, what do I do if a, a spectator says this, or how do I deal with this kind of situation? So it's, it's nothing new to us, and we've got to take time away from our development of the referees and their mechanics and techniques and foul recognition to deal with how do we deal with off-the-field issues that mm-hmm. should never have been an issue in the first place. And part of the issue with this, and so if you're watching this and you're thinking, okay, I'm, I'm a regional referee or I'm, I'm way up the ladder from having just started my referee career, um, one of the problems that we've identified in Kansas City is we'll have officials that have been working for some length of time that are more veteran officials, and they don't deal with this. They developed, you know, that quintessential thick skin, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, you had to develop, and there's a level of that. There is. There is yeah, a level there, there that we is. I think anybody that's been in this, if you're watching this, um, we don't, by the way, we don't pretend to be experts in all this. We just want to, to start this conversation. I have this conversation. To be an expert. Yeah, he does. He, very much pretending. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, you know, veteran officials will have this thick skin idea and they go, well, I just, I don't even listen. You know, I, I, I just go on with my, with my life and I do my games and I don't even listen to them. And, you know, you just have to get. You're, you're not, let me just say right now, very directly, you are not helping the problem, okay? You're not setting up the next person for success because I might be able to, as a 15-year veteran, and, and I can, I can tune some of this stuff out. It doesn't bother me. I know it's whatever. It's not about me. It's not, it's, it's about the uniform. It's about the whistle. It's not about me as a person. I can get past that. But if we don't address that and identify these problems and concerns, then the person who's behind me that maybe has six months of experience mm-hmm. that gets put into this environment, um, I didn't help them. I didn't set them up for success. And the other bit on this, were you going to say something? Yeah, what, what, the, what people at the regional and above <clears throat> level don't quite under, sometimes don't understand is that no matter how much abuse you're able to take personally, that that yelling from the sideline is going to negatively impact your game, no matter right. how you feel about it. If you're That's able to tune it out, you know what? Too bad. Oh my <laughs> I was about to say, that's exactly right. The spectators and those on our sidelines can, can and very much do um, contribute to match temperature. Okay, and we talk a lot about match temperature all the time. We talk about fact. match temperature quite a bit, and how we manage that, and what are the contributing factors to match temperature. And, and this is one of those things. And if we sit there and we pretend that it doesn't, well, we're lying to ourselves and we're not helping our situation. Um, so what is the line? We're talking about that. The, the line is tough because the line at the, the, the games that we all normally work may be different than the line at a youth game. And so for those of you that don't know, U.S. soccer will certify referees as young as 13. So what is the line for a 13-year-old versus 26-year-olds and above? Right. It's very different. And so I think well, let's, let's start at that week in, week out, weekend tournaments, the weekend right, like warriors. Local league, that kind of stuff. Right. That kind of thing. Um, and honestly, it, it, while there are distinguishing factors, there, there's a quite a bit of similarity. And we were talking about that before we started recording our segment. Um, and this is a conversation that could go on and on and on forever. So we'll just hit some of these, some of these bits as we go along. Um, but this is certainly not exhaustive. What is the line for the weekend and week out youth league tournament in your local complex? Um, I think we, we wrote some things down here. And I think yeah. one of those things is, and, and you pulled it from um, Mark yeah, Clattenburg. So I've been reading Mark Clattenburg's autobiography right. recently. Right. And, and what he says is when the yelling goes from about the game 
to about the referee, so about the game to personal, that's when he draws the line and he has to deal with it. And which I think is definitely applicable to a lot of the youth games that we do as well. Because they'll start off with about the calls, and then they'll zero in on the referee and use whatever they can against that referee. And we've talked about, those that have been around the game and have been officiating for a while, they'll talk about the three Ps, personal, provocative, and public. Um, those are, if, if we have you know, that trio in place, um, we've talked about that more with coaches, that's usually grounds for removal. Okay, and it's the same thing with spectators. If we're zeroing in, anytime we're starting with the, with the word you, or you, yeah, we, we don't really need to go there, right? And so um, if we need to know where the line is, when we, when we start in on that personal bit, it, it, it very quickly is inappropriate. Um, yeah, because we're going to disagree with calls all day from the spectator side, which is fine, which is part of the game. It's how do we... How do we vocalize that? And a lot of times it gets to the point of this is going to be about you, specifically the referee. And we talked about this. It doesn't, we don't need to necessarily wait for that moment to uh, employ some of these options that we'll talk about in dealing with this poor behavior. Um, we don't need to wait for it to get to you, to personal. Yeah. It can be just persistently... Uh, dissenting against decisions by the crew and um, you know that's again that's <clears throat> contributing negatively to the environment there's a few other items that kind of come here one thing is I was talking with um, as, as one of as one of our um, overseeing the officials at our junior state cup event last weekend in Kansas as I was talking with some spectators that were a little bit more uh, agreeable to conversation <laughs> worked up in the moment that's new I know right <laughs> uh, turning over a new leaf um, <clears throat> As I had those conversations, I said, listen, it is, it's one thing to be like passionate about supporting your kid and passionate about the game, um, but unfortunately that line gets blurred with inappropriate too frequently. And so we go from mm -hmm. passionate to inappropriate, and, and that, that gets unfortunate when we see that happen. And I think one good question that I started to pose to some of these spectators and, and even to our coaches, but a lot of the spectators is, are you, is what you're doing contributing to a positive environment? And if the answer to that is no, then... Stop it! Change it. Don't <laughs> right. And um, and so I think as we, you know, if you're watching this and you're a young referee, but really anybody, is what's going on behind me in a youth game contributing to a positive environment? If the answer is no, okay, then we have to think, okay, how much of this is just part of the thick skin thing, mm -hmm. right? Which again, I understand differs for some people, but when we continue to permit these things, we are somewhat, in some way, promoting them. Because I have really thick skin. One-on-one, -on -one, a player can say just about anything to me and I can respond in the mm -hmm. way that I do. But if what I'm hearing from around me is influencing the player's decisions to, to negatively impact the game, doesn't matter how I feel personally, I'm gonna have to deal with that right. because it's causing issues on the field. Right, right, absolutely, and I think that's great. <clears throat> And we transition that as we think about with spectators and go, okay, you had your moment. Oh, ref, come on, that's a foul. All right, we hear that quite often. All the time. As we continue down that road and we persist in that, and, and that little passionate reaction turns into a persistent inappropriateness, then allowing that to continue is, in some regards, it, to kind of put it bluntly, is somewhat promoting it because we're, you know, that way you permit, you promote idea. Yeah. 
So what do we do when we, and, and before we move on to kind of what are our options as we deal with this, and, and, and I hope, like I said, this is not exhaustive, I hope that this might spark some conversation in your neck of the woods, right? Wherever you're watching this, that you're going, you know what, I, how can I be part of the solution? And if you're watching this, you're probably a referee, but we've had others that are not uh, active officials. Um, but if you're a referee, so you're, you're on our side, right? <laughs> our side of the issue. Um, but what can you do in your neck of the woods, in your local area to um, foster the respect and recultivate good sportsmanship? And maybe that's uh, giving up some of your time to help write policies, to participate in um, local organizations that are helping to fix some of these issues. That's, that's our hope, is that this really does spark something, uh, some conversation, some action steps that you can be a part of. But before we move into what are the like, more practical options in this, it probably needs to be said, and we do have some of younger officials, brand new officials that are like, what are the automatics? Well, and I think we know this, right. but things that are you know, sexist, racist, homophobic, all of that kind of stuff needs to be, there, there is no warning for that. Right, right, yeah. And if you're hearing that on the side of the field and that, that FIFA has this directive that football, you know, is for everyone. Mm -hmm. And if you're hearing stuff that is contrary to that belief, then that needs to stop at whatever cost that, that it is. Right. So we, how do we stop that? What are our options? Because it's going to take, we're not going to be able to fix the problem as a whole, but if we can fix it one game at a time, and deal with the situations as they arise, respond to them rather than reacting, which is something that I'll admit I need to. I, I get worked up sometimes in games, even 15 years in. Uh, in a high school game I had the other day, uh, some people were very frustrated with my decisions, and I, I no made way. some call, and this guy was like, and I said, uh, I know, I know, I'm terrible, I'm terrible. And... Uh, you know, I, I can't keep my mouth shut sometimes, okay? So it's about learning how to respond appropriately in these situations instead of just simply reacting based on what sort of gut instinct it, it brings yeah, us. and it's tough for some of us referees that have been around for a while because when we first started out, it was kind of we got put on the fields and we were the end-all be-all in that field. So we had to find ways to deal with it ourselves. And now that the conversation is moving more towards how do we help and support our referees, we've got to adapt with that. As well, and what Brendan said is 100% accurate. That conversation, whether you realize it or not, is happening more and more um, about what can we do collectively beyond just the referee supervisors and assigners and the state referee committees and people that are directly that are referees themselves. Right. Most likely, it is now club owners. Um, it's all aspects of the game. Right. At this point, even we've even had responses from spectators like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry about the way we've acted, stuff like that. The conversations are happening more and more in every aspect of the game. Right, right. So I think step one, one of the things we, we as we outlined some of our, of our options, and again, not exhaustive, what is going on in your area that you can add to this list? If you're making your own list of what are the options, how can you, especially if you're a, a more senior level official, what can you do to help others realize what options they have to put a stop to some of these concerns? So one of the things is working with coaches. More and more coaches are a part of the solution, just like you said. They want to be a part of the solution. They're obviously passionate for their, their student athletes, but they want to be a part of the solution. So we talked about how impactful, and I saw this at, at our Junior State Cup event. Where at, we got to halftime. The first half was difficult. And so I was working with the referee crew to say, hey, let's approach the coaches both and say, hey, can you have the conversation right now 
we'll extend halftime if we need to, right? We'll build a few more minutes into it mm -hmm. to give you a chance to walk across the field and have a word with your people to go, hey, let's have some perspective. We have, for that match, 30 minutes, okay? 30 minutes. That's how long our second half was because it was a junior event. Can we get through 30 minutes and behave like adults and treat teenagers who are working hard out here with the utmost respect, okay? So go to coaches, yeah. Go to go to them and use them, and even if they are, even if they are frustrated, and there's been frustration during the first half or up, wherever you are up to that point, if you go to them and say, "Hey, coach, I need some help. My air over here is, is really getting the business from these people, um, and I think they're your spectators. Can you help us with that?" Okay. Oftentimes, that triggers something in the mind. Oh boy, yeah. Okay, it puts yeah. things into perspective. Yeah, because we, we have to keep in mind that the referee shortage not only affects referees, it affects the coaches as well. Because right. plenty of times when they go out and they get two referees and a club linesman or, or heaven forbid, one referee, that affects their, their teams and their, their chances in the league and the tournaments. And so they, they do want to be a part of the solution. And having that conversation at before the game, halftime, whenever, definitely does um, provide some positive feedback. Absolutely. So work with them. They, they will be a majority of them right? 95, 98, even more so now, I think just because of how prevalent this issue is and how much media attention this has garnered are agreeable to help in this process. Okay. The other big thing is, is leveraging field marshals. And I don't know what terminologies they might be utilized in, in our neck of the woods. It's field marshals. Yeah. We are. Yeah. All of our local leagues have field marshals, right? People that are designated to help the games run smoothly and attend to issues that the referees identify in matches. And so... Luckily, we, a lot of our guys, a lot of our field marshals are referees or former referees. Yes. So they have the same experience that we have. And that should be the case. They need to at least be certified. So there's at least a concept of that. Of something, yeah. Right. And, we, and, and they need to be a little bit more, at times, I think maybe, but I think a little bit more aggressive to head things off when they see it. We have this concern in some of our high school matches where we have game administrators that are there, but um, they don't act until we stop the game and have them act, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a level of frustration. So some of you might be watching this going, yes, we know. Yeah. That is a, a significant level of frustration for us is why do we have to stop the game? They already hate us, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and we're going to be, we're not making any friends even more so when we stop the game and draw more attention to it. Right. So why can't it be head off, headed off when they have that outburst? Exactly. Yeah. If we stop the game, nothing good is going to come out of that. It's right. all going to be negative. People are going to get removed. Games are going to get delayed. Nothing good comes out of that. We want to get to a point before we need to do that. Right. Right. So I think leveraging them, and, and that looks in like in different ways. If you can get to halftime and then go and have that conversation where it's not stopping the game and making a scene. But you might have to. You might, you have, might to. have to stop the game. Another thing that I've encouraged some of our younger referees is when is that, that AR2 over there with parents. If there's parents that are kind of off to the side that usually work, the, the poor behavior in spectators is usually a small percentage, at least to start. The mob mentality can form quickly. It's that one parent that's off by himself because he knows what he's doing. Yeah, that's how right. it is. <laughs> but I've told some of our, our younger officials, and I've done this myself, where I've said um, to a to a fan that's sitting there who's clearly just there to watch their kid, I say, I, I hate to bother you, but would you mind going to get that guy in the red jacket over there? Because this is getting a little bit out of control. Would you mind flagging him down so I don't have to make a big scene? 
okay? Um, they are almost like, yeah, absolutely. And typically they go, yeah, it's Jerry. He's a jerk. You know, whoever right. the they guy know, is. They know their guy. They know yeah. Karen or whatever. <laughs> yeah, probably Karen. What's the male? Is it Richard? God. It can be. I mean, Kyle? I Kyle, Keith, maybe? Keith. <laughs> anyway, watch those guys. Yeah, you got to watch out for them. So, oh, Chad, yeah. Gordy. Gordy, oh, <laughs> the worst. Dirtbag. So, um, Leveraging those people, and then and I and I know that a lot of groups don't want to do this, but our third option bit is is just stopping the game and saying, okay, it's time to leave. Yeah, I mean we've we've both had to do it. Oh yeah, past. it's never a fun experience, but if it needs to be done, it needs to be done. Right, it's clearly an issue. Um, we had an uh, and I'm not going to go into the details, but we had an event in this past week where there was a racially charged statement, and and the referee crew dealt with it right there. Um, remove the parent immediately. At that point, it's just there's that's a no doubter. It's time to go, yep. sir. You, you need to leave, and and we're not going to restart until we can't see and hear you. Um, and so, if you want to hold up your kid's game longer than, and we don't need the snarky comments. I I love a good one liner. I love a good one liner. Mm -hmm. I really do, and they're fun stories, but <laughs> it's not effective. It's, really, in that situation, it's really not. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, when you're dealing with spectators, we want to we want to all have those little comments. We walk over and we hand them the whistle, or go do it yourself, or we go over and go. You know what? Yeah, maybe. Uh, the, you're right. The view over here is way better than mine. You know, or whatever it is. Um, they make for good stories, but they don't help create a positive environment. They don't. Right. I agree. So if there's a problem. <coughs> Let's deal with it and move on because it's about the kids. It's not about the parents. It's not about us, even though right. Bring that line, you know, hey, we're here for the kids. Right. That, that does wake up some parents. It's like, you're, we're here for the kids, and you're making this about yourself. That's right. And a lot of, oh, I'm sorry, and they sit back down. Right, right. If they don't, we've got options. So, um, and to maintain professional in that whole process, as, as difficult as that can be sometimes, especially if it yeah. does get, you know, intimately personal when and when we're as referees when we've got so many things going on and so many so many so many eyes on the field on us at one time that we have to be professionalism to a t at all times we can't right. give them anything that they could use against us right which goes back to our if you watched our last segment jason papke talked about that from a coach's perspective if we come out and we tick the boxes for professionalism looking like we want to be there and our work rate is good we're giving people less and less things um, to tee off on so mm -hmm. Um, this is a conversation that could go on and on and on. As some of you are like, yeah, it has, so shut up. So I will. I was thinking that. I know you were because yeah, <laughs> you're a jerk. Anyway, um, and I'm sure that this is a conversation that has probably happened in your local area. And I hope it will continue to happen, not just to be a conversation that goes nowhere, but a conversation that hopefully puts legs on a solution. Mm -hmm. And sparks some dialogue with the people that need to be involved in the conversation. And if you're a referee for any length of time, you have a level of experience. You've done something that many people are not courageous enough to do themselves. And um, you, you have a level of experience, and so you can use that to help uh, bring about change, whether mm -hmm. it's doing some of these options when they arise or being a little bit more proactive and involved in your local area uh, for sportsmanship type uh, campaigns, whatever that could look like, which um, we would encourage you to look at the officially human group. And so we'll, we won't go down that road. We'll let the interview kind of speak for mm -hmm. itself. One thing that we wanted to highlight, we uh, in Kansas are, are grieving the loss of one of our fellow referees and also a field marshal who was also an assigner on site in our local league, Blaine Hoagland. Blaine was a mentor to uh, many of us. We mm -hmm. um, 
both as a referee and as a person. Uh, we're really grateful for the impact Blaine has had on our lives and countless others of Kansas soccer referees in this area. He recently passed away. Um, and as we honor his life and legacy, his family has started a campaign called the Go Blue for Blaine campaign. You can uh, find that online, find out more information, gobluefoblaine, B-L-A-I-N-E.com. We'll put that link in our bio as well. Uh, this is a, a campaign. Blaine, Blaine was a very level-headed, calm, kind, wonderful man. You can learn more about it. Uh, I had it pulled up on my phone. My phone's gone to sleep now, so I'll pull it up now. But you can learn more about their It's a really well-done little website. And I want to highlight they, they have um, made BLUE an acronym, B-L-U-E. It stands for Breathe, Listen, Understand, and Empathize. And so they're talking about, um, as they say here, uh, the emotion and mindset of being calm um, in de-escalating situations where there is a, um, as I kind of use the metaphor, a, a storm going on, being the calm amidst the storm around us. And Blaine had to deal with this quite a bit um, in his time. role. All the time. He was working as a field marshal. Um, I remember at uh, Futsal Nationals here locally, I was uh, quite fed up with a group of people. And I said, Blaine, I need these people dealt with over here. And he goes over and we ended up having a few of them removed. And he walked over, he goes, are you, you going to be okay? <laughs> Yeah, I'll be all right. All right, have fun. I mean, I've got a, yeah, I've got a similar one. I was, you know, 15, 16, and this coach comes into the room, and he's just yelling, yelling, and playing, and playing. like, okay, 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 are you done? Get out. Yeah. It was amazing. And for 15, 16-year-old me, been refereeing for two or three years to see that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for letting us kind of pay homage to him. He was, he's, he's a wonderful man, and so we... Um, as we share those stories, as we reminisce about that, it, it gives us a uh, perspective in how we deal with these types of situations. The acronym, again, breaks it down into breathe, listen, understand, and empathize. Breathe. And so it, uh, the website, you can read this off of the website, but it's important that before we respond, we take a moment to breathe. And that's that responding versus reacting. So taking something in, that, in the storm of that moment, there are oftentimes, and there could be trigger phrases and words that cause us to to kind of the anger to well up in us or a reaction within us. And so we're taking a second to go, acknowledging when that happens and taking a second to breathe. Um, the second word is listen. Um, if you're talking, you're not listening, as they remind us. So really taking a moment, no matter how absurd you think what is being said to you is, you take a moment to, to at least listen. And then the second piece of this, another layer of listening is, is understanding. So we seek to understand and especially understanding what is at stake in the situation or the conversation, okay? Realizing, and that's sometimes listening beneath, listening below, mm -hmm. understanding what the bigger concern might be, what, what, what is perceived to be at stake. And then this last piece is empathizing. So once you've had this chance to breathe, to listen, and to seek to understand, uh, as they say, it's vital to empathize with those involved so that you can work together to provide a solution. And maybe a better moment in the game that I had the other day, there was a coach that was really upset about a decision. And I said, um, coach, I, I let him kind of have his piece. I was nearby. And I said, coach, I really, I, I understand your level of frustration. And I don't blame you. However, that's not a cautionable offense today in our game. And I gave him a reason why. And and he felt heard and we, we moved on. And so a rare moment of me doing something that was worth sharing to another person. They do for, happen. They do happen. Yes. Do it's happen. a blind squirrel finding a nut here. <laughs> but um, this gives us a little bit of a framework to work out of as we face difficult situations. 
Hopefully we've been able to identify at least some of what the line could look like and some options in response. We'd love to hear a little bit more from you about what have been some best practices and feature that in future episodes or at least through our social media and website. Um, so if you're listening to this from wherever you are, if there's been best practices and things that have worked well in your local leagues and complexes at tournaments and things like that, um, we're really not in a place right now to hoard good ideas. So <laughs> if you have those, Please share that. We would love to make that, um, kind of blast that far and wide so that we can all work together to really provide a safe place for young referees to work and develop in hopes that we can, um, it can be something for them that isn't just, just a paycheck that they have to endure, yeah. right? They have to endure. No, it really becomes yeah. something that for us, like it has for many of us, right. something that is we that enjoy really doing it. Right. Exactly. And you meet, you meet good friends, you meet other people, but you know, along the way, and, and it becomes a wonderful um, not just a place to make money, but a wonderful a community and a passion. Yeah. So we'd love to hear that. Uh, questions at checkcompletepodcast.com, or you can email it to my uh, account, which is Gordy, G-O-R-D-I-E, at checkcompletepodcast.com. You can slide into our DMs at check underscore complete on Twitter and Instagram at checkcomplete on Facebook. We would love to hear you. We uh, have an interview coming up here shortly with Brenda Hilton from Officially Human. Really outstanding conversation with her, and we hope you check out more uh, um, with the Officially Human group. We're excited to have Brenda Hilton uh, with both the Big Ten and with Officially Human. And so Brenda and I are super excited to sit down uh, via Zoom. We've really gotten accustomed to Zoom, not only with our podcast, but in the world we live in the last few years. So we're thankful for technology allows us to chat with you. Brenda, thank you so much for joining us today. We're thrilled to have you. Thanks for having me on. I, uh, I'm I'm excited to be here. Just to, uh, we, we spoke a few minutes before and I'm really excited about what you guys are doing in the soccer space and, and obviously what I'm doing in the officiating space. So um, we will uh, have some good conversation here. Yes, we will. Absolutely. So let's dive into this. Um, there's a lot to talk about. I have been, um, I, I don't even remember the first time I was exposed to your organization, but I think I saw it. I think I saw it through social media. Funny that we talked about that earlier. Um, and or maybe Scott mentioned it to me. Another gentleman that I've I'm connected with through a different organization that I work with, um, officially human. And uh, we're going to uh, put this in our in our links on both YouTube, and then we're going to share this out through social media, so those of you guys that are listening and are watching this can uh, dive in as well. And Brenda's going to give us some additional points on this. So I don't remember when I first saw it, but ever since I have, I followed the accounts and I've just been fascinated by it. And you and I, Brenda, had a phone call a couple, well, whenever that was, time just is blurry. And we chatted and I, one of the things that I had always agreed with was this concept that officials are dehumanized. And so when I saw that officially human idea, and I know you worked with our, our state association, maybe that was when I saw it with Keisha about a, a survey that we did with, you guys did with officials. I was like, yes, yes, this is, I love this concept. And um, the rehumanization of officials uh, and elevating respect to borrow your terminology is such a worthwhile task. So tell us a little bit about, um, I guess I'll just let it kind of launch the, open the floodgates here. Talk to us about your background, who you are, and then where this whole concept came from. Sure. So I started in collegiate athletics in 
2000 and um, worked with all the sport assigners at a small division one conference called the, at the time it was the Mid-Continent Conference, now the Summit League, and worked with all the, the sport coordinators and the officials coordinators. And over time, I just really was intrigued by officials and how they get where they are. And I learned in, in the soccer space, how they travel together. They kind of travel, you know, we'll say in packs, but Steve Siomos, our, our signer, he really taught us the ins and out or taught me the ins and outs of what, how soccer officials get assigned. So I, I thought that was fascinating basketball. I always loved the sport of basketball. So I got, I really got to understand that. And then in 2011, the big 10 uh, called and said, Hey, we're going to form a men's basketball officiating consortium. Would you come to our office and work? So I was in Elmhurst, Illinois on a Friday. And on Monday, I was in Park Ridge working for the Big Ten. And um, I also like to say that I never sent a resume, never had an interview. So, you know, sometimes you just get really lucky in life. And so when I came to the Big Ten, I was exclusive to men's basketball and really got to know the officials. And I would travel to games with them and just kind of understand what goes on behind the scenes. And you know, kind of been hearing rumblings of this officiating crisis, the shortages coming, people aren't talking about it. And then um, I witnessed myself, some, some fans be very, very disrespectful to officials. And I was like, how in the world are these people getting by with this at, at a division one college game? And so in 2019, I, I just said, boy, I'm kind of tired of hearing everybody talk about this and nobody's really doing anything about it. And sat at my kitchen table on a Saturday morning and wrote a business plan and showed it to my husband. And he's like, eh, we got some work to do on the plan. Um, and then I think the original name was um, humanly official, the person behind the stripes and, and, and Tim, my husband gets all the credit for officially human and the logo and um, you know, I was kind of just throwing it out there. And then I, I went to work on Monday and I, he, he goes, Hey, I, I got the website. I got the, I'm working with the logo. I've got a Twitter account. I have, I'm like, wait, what? So we're actually doing this. And then, you know, again, just over conversations and, um, I was able to work with the Federation. We developed a 53 question survey and that went out and 15 state associations agreed to, to participate. And we got 19,000 responses and what do you do with a million data points? Well, you find really smart researchers that want to break that data down. So we found, we found them and then COVID kind of hit and we were able to take a pause because, and I'm not kidding when I say this, anybody I talked to, how are you going to monetize this? And I kept saying, I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not worried about the money. I just want to make a difference. And um, so then we went through 20 and we worked with some students at IUPUI and we wrote Elevate Respect. And then we partnered with Field Experience and they, they did the whole program for us. And it's a 16 minute course and take it's six different sections, two to three minutes a section for you to go through. You can take it on your phone, iPad or computer. And really what it does is it educates parents, coaches, fans kind of behind the scenes of the sport ecosystem. Our, our target market is youth sports because that's where bad habits start. Mm -hmm. And we would really like to stop those bad habits at, at the lowest level. And so we did that and we kind of took it to market and um, found some sponsors. If there's organizations that can't 
um, necessarily pay for it. We try to find sponsors to help them pay for it. And, and really, um, it's just really starting to take off. We're really getting a lot of attention now. But, you know, you're seeing all over the news right now that everybody's telling parents to be nice. Everybody's telling them to back off. However, if we don't get ahead of this and we don't start educating people and, and almost, you know, you look at, you look at elevate respect, like you look at safe sport or you look at concussion training, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Is it another layer that, that, you know, parents, coaches, and administrators have to go through? Yeah. However, if we don't start to improve the treatment, we're not going to fix the retention problem. Absolutely. I love that concept of, as I was just jotting down to come back to it, but the concept of comparing it to the safe sport training or concussion protocol that like, yeah, we know that's bad, right? Right. I think most people like a person with a conscience would go, you know, if they saw that from a distance and didn't have a vested interest in the competition at hand, would look at this and go, yeah, uh, we probably shouldn't yell at a kid right? But then when we get into that and we don't, we don't break it down, we don't have the education piece behind it. They go, Hey, don't let's add some more layers to this to understand the why behind, Hey, like, <laughs> yeah, we know right. it's bad, but when we get into those environments and what can we do? I, I think that's fantastic. It's the same concept that, that you said. And I love that. I love that comparison. You know, one of the things when we, um, when we were piloting Elevate Respect and we were very intentional as to who we had try out the program for us and provide feedback because we, we all know those parents. We know people that, you know, probably shouldn't be yelling and they just can't control themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there's one parent that went through it and in the comment section said, I'm appalled at the way that I've been acting. I had no idea what was really happening. That person is now an advocate for us at local schools. Wow. And, and that's one person. So, you know, again, we all know 95% of the fans, coaches, everybody, 95% is probably a safe number to say that they're really good. Yeah. It's that 5% that is causing so much noise. So in year one, if we can make that 5% be 4.9% and keep going, we're never going to fix everybody. We're never going to, and, and let's face it, we, we're trying to solve a cultural problem. Yes. And if, if you can fix it or you can at least address it in youth sports, then, then it's a win for everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, if you take, if you take the elevate respect program and then you, you put signage up and we have, we have a program that if, um, if an organization reaches 70% participation in elevate respect, then they become officially human certified and they'll have a banner that they can hang in their gymnasium or you know on their courts and fields and it says you know Bismarck Kinney High School believes in the positive treatment of officials we are officially human certified and the other thing that that does is it tells your officials that you've invested in them you care about them Mm -hmm. as human beings um so you know there's a there's a it's got a lot of legs that's the cool thing. We can do a lot of different stuff, a lot of different programming, but really we have, we've got to get in front of the seasons and have people go through this program. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think you said a lot in there that I really appreciated. Um, I think you're right that the, the task is, is individualistic. I mean, you can, uh, it's going to take one person at a time in a lot of respects, mm -hmm. you know, and um, I, I think that, that that's what's daunting about it. And what scares a lot of clubs and groups away is they see a broad, and, and, and even in, in our state in Kansas, we're like, hey, we got to fix this. Where do we start? <laughs> it's, such, it's so massive. And it is, to, to continue with the other point that you said that I couldn't agree with more, is that we're dealing with something that's much bigger than just youth sports. It's a cultural uh, systemic issue. And uh, sports has taught us a lot um, those that have played, those that officiate, we will do it. So we haven't done it yet, but lessons learned um, in sports officiating. I mean, there's so much that, that we have learned that applies to life. And so why can't sports be a place that teaches us how to live as better people? And it sounds like, and, and this program is, is, is leading in that direction. It's not just, hey, don't yell at a 16-year-old kid that's reffing your son's game. It's hopefully helping people to be... Um, uh, to elevate respect in every aspect of their lives, really. And, and that's the goal. That's, we have to start somewhere. You know, any, right. any, any movement has to start somewhere, and it probably starts at someone's kitchen table. So if we can at least spread the word, you know, far, deep, and wide, then we're going to do something. But it's, it's organizations like you guys talking to me, listening to what I have to say that, no, I want to be part of the solution. Mm -hmm. That's bigger than anything. And don't you think, I, I, I think there's a lot of people that are willing to be part of the solution. There just hasn't been a solution. I think that's been part of the issues you guys are pro providing. And that's what I think has drawn me to what you're doing is there's, and that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to chat with you on this podcast was providing, um, and that's kind of one of the things that we're going to ask here, and you've already alluded to it, but what are some really tangible, practical ways? We'll get to that in a second. But I don't know if there really was. I mean, I think people were like, yeah, this is a problem, but what do we do about it? Well, a lot of the times when, when we ask that question to our fellow referees, the response we get is, you know, more suspensions, less people in the touchline, that kind of stuff. Always after the fact kind of practices, which I think Kansas soccer has, Kansas high school soccer has adopted sort of a you know, if you get thrown out, you got to take a course before you can come back to the field kind of thing, which is sort of a step in the right direction. But this getting in front of the season, as you said, um, educating people before they even set foot on the field is great. Because if you if you make them take a course after the game, they've already said the thing that got them tossed. They've already scared off another referee. But preventing them from saying that in the first place seems like a huge step in the right direction. Yeah. And, and the other thing that we have Oh, shoot, I put it away. Um, we have patches for yeah. officials' uniforms. Well, I went to a basketball camp last week and then came home and tweeted about it. And I got five new orders for patches for basketball signers to take to their, their camps mm -hmm. and put them on. So then people see, that's another visual. Oh, you want to create conversation. We yeah. have to continue to create conversation and, you know, think about if you have the fan that just is, is so unruly every single game and we've all seen them and the other parents are kind of embarrassed by them, you know, because that's a reflection of that team. Mm -hmm. And if we can change that person, even slightly to only yell 50% of the time, isn't that a win? You know, that's a win for everybody. 
Right. And, and, you know, the other parents don't want to put up with that. Right. Yeah. So exactly the right. players in the field don't want to listen to that either. No. Right. right. I, no. I can't, I've had that happen many times where um, I'll, I'll even say in high, little higher level games in high school or, you know, if it's a college, who's, whose mom is that? Oh, it's my, I'm so sorry. It's mine. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm it's so, more than mine. Shut up. You know, and it's <laughs> yeah, like, one teammate says the other, is that your dad over there? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think we just forget, we, we just, for, you know, as parents, they just forget that the effect that it's having on their child. And I can go back and I can find podcasts that I did in 2020 that I've had, I, I, I called this in 2020 that when we return to play, it's going to be so much worse because parents are angry that their children lost a year of competition mm-hmm. and everybody knows the percentage of college athletes, high school athletes that go on to play college is about 7%. Mm-hmm. Yet something was taken away from that parent or that child. And it's just made us all angry. We're just mm-hmm. very angry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, I was at a basketball tournament over the, the last weekend and there were 600 teams there, oh my 600 teams at this tournament. And there was a woman, I was, I was talking to the official that was observing the officials on the court. Cause it was kind of a training camp. Mm-hmm. And um, this, these two women caught the, the fact that the officials were coming over and talking to us during breaks and they were just screaming at us. Mm. And I'm like, I've never officiated a sport in my life. And yet, if you want to come over and talk to me, that's fine. But I could, I can't tell you, you know, what's going on on the court. I'm just here to support these people. Mm-hmm. So, right. yes, I did not say that. I've never officiated sport. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure we're clear there. there I will you. never tell you how to do your job. That's right. <laughs> so we have plenty of people that will. So yeah, yeah. Well, most of these parents haven't officiated either, but they're they're first in line to tell us how we're doing. Right. Right. Do 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 you guys um has anybody ever talked about the days when the parents had to be the the referees, the umpires? So years ago, that that was like that. Mm. And why did we go away from that? Because they weren't calling fair games. Right. Mm-hmm. so now we're going to go back to that and our society is so much angrier what's going to happen right it, it's going the kids are going to lose that's what's going to happen that's right mm-hmm. yeah that's the saddest part there's no doubt about that yeah absolutely mm-hmm. so you've alluded to a few things uh, that the ways people can really uh, really practically get involved and again we're going to link to social media and to your website um so there is the you know, officially human, broadly speaking, and then your Elevate Respect campaign, which um, there's more information on your website that they can log in and, and, and get about that. Um, and then there's, like you'd mentioned, uh, patches. I know you and I talked about that, the visual reminders of things. I also saw a tweet. And I'm going to have to get my hands on some swag. I think I saw some shirts. Oh, that, I just did that today. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, see, I do. I actually do. I'm, I'm my word. I actually do. I just tweeted that today. My social yeah. media person didn't even have to do it. I did it myself. Well, wow. wonderful. There we go. Yeah. Well, it reached at least one person. So that's it. No, it reached a lot because people have reached out. 
Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Yes. Yeah. No. Um. And it, it looks really clean. I love the logo and and everything. It, it looks really clean. So there's ways to engage. Uh, what am I missing? What are ways that folks can uh, engage with what you what your project is? Well, I think just reaching out to us and and for those on the call or that are listening that are, you know, the head of an organization, mm-hmm. we're pleading to you to do this for your your officials, your umpires, your 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 um yeah umpires sorry yeah. um we're pleading with you to do this for them because it's just not it's not fair work again we are not going to fix the retention problem if we don't fix the treatment problem yeah and so um reach out to us and and let's talk about elevate respect and let's talk about some of these this other programming um in in our mind it's you know, you want to adopt a full package and we customize the packages to whatever, you know, the group wants them to be. But um, A, it, it's got to start at the top. B, it has to be before the season starts. It has to be a requirement. And then C, you you want to have those reminders throughout the year. Right. Absolutely. Brendan? Yeah. I mean, you seem to have covered it all. I, I'm really a fan of this this whole movement. Well, you got, you won one over tonight. Great, great. I will let you know where to send the check. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just give me my patch and we're good. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I always ask this to everybody we interview, but Brenda, is if there's, is there anything else that if you don't say it, you're not going to sleep tonight? You got to get this off your chest before the interview ends. Um, No, I said it all. Oh, good. There we go. said it all. That's perfect. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yes. Really appreciate your time. This is wonderful. And we can't wait to see, um, you know, how this continues to grow. We believe in what you guys are doing and, and our reach that what we have. Um, obviously, we want to support that. So uh, for those of you that are listening and or watching or both, um, make sure you follow them uh, on their social media platforms. Again, we'll, we'll um, provide the links for all of that, their website, reach out to them. And uh, especially, like you said, like you said, Brenda, if you are a leader of an organization, um, this is a great group to just connect with and see how it could fit with what you're doing. Uh, this mm-hmm. is just with Kansas Youth Soccer, but there's another group, the Kansas Sports Officials Association that I'm a part of that, that's also having this conversation. So uh, if you're wondering of what time, when's the time to do this? Uh, it is now. I think the, the media has shown us that there's not, not a more appropriate time to do this. And like we talked about a little bit before we got on here, uh, these organizations, these clubs, these coaches are recognizing the need for this. And so I think it's time to strike when the iron's hot. There's groups that will sponsor. There's groups that will fund these kinds of things. So we're finding that here in Kansas. You know what? It just, nobody was asking. So if we ask, mm-hmm. hey, we need some help to help funding this and it's going to help with retention and help your kids have a safe and fun game. Uh, you'd be surprised how many people might um, dig into their pocket. So, yeah. And I will say that one thing. That yes. Yes, you know, yes, we, here we go. <laughs> we do have a give back program. So yeah. if an organization signs up for us, we we like we believe in reinvesting back into officiating. So we like to give money back to the organizations for the, the people that go through the Elevate Respect program. That's awesome. Very good. Yeah. Well, um, Brenda, thanks again. Um, we really appreciate your time and, and hope everybody can uh, take a quick look at what you guys are doing and, and uh, engage with that platform. Yeah, thanks so much, you guys, for having me on. Absolutely.
Well, thank you so much for listening to the Check Complete podcast or watching whatever you're doing. This has been episode number five. Uh, we really appreciate you guys engaging with our podcast. You can, if you're not already, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at check underscore complete on Facebook at check complete uh, on our YouTube channel. If you're not watching already, we'd highly encourage you to watch. Um, you can also reach out to us, uh, info at checkcompletepodcast.com, questions at checkcompletepodcast.com, or gordy at checkcompletepodcast.com. So whatever one you, whatever one tickles your fancy, just send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Okay. And then once again, if you guys have crew pictures from your games, wherever they are, we'd love to see those as well. So send them our way and we'll be featuring those on our podcast. We want to give a couple more shout outs. Uh, the Go Blue for Blaine campaign as we continue to um, practice that breathe, listen, understand, empathize pattern as we face difficult situations. You can learn more about that. GoBlueForBlaine.com. Blaine is spelled B-L-A-I-N-E. And uh, of course, officially human, we want to thank Brenda Hilton again for her time. Brenda was just a phenomenal guest, wonderful person. You can check out officiallyhuman.com. That's their website. Um, and uh, learn more about that campaign and engage with what they're doing. We have a couple of uh, sweatbands, official sports international sweatbands that we would like to give away. So if you share uh, the post that announces this episode is now streaming, uh, on whether that's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, please tag us in that. If you tag us and that you've shared it, you'll be considered to have been entered, and we will uh, do a drawing within uh, 24 hours of the posting of this episode. Um, if you are selected, we'll reach out to you uh, over direct message and get your information so we can send you your wristbands. Sounds good. So, yeah, if you have uh, positive feedback, we really want to hear from you. Very positive. We're words of affirmation kind of people. So mm -hmm. we want to hear that. Tell us about what you love about the podcast. Um, we really want to hear about that and suggestions <coughs> for other uh, segments, feedback in what maybe is working in your neck of the woods like we talked about for dealing with some of the sportsmanship concerns. We would love to hear more about that so we can share some of those good ideas. And then once again, if you have any negative feedback, please write it on the back of a four-digit two-sided electronic subboard and send that in our direction. We'll get right back to you on that. Yes, we will. This has been the Check and Plead Podcast. Brendan, thank you so much for joining Please. us again. Thank you very much for having me again. The most fun I've had in the last 20 minutes. So it's been great being with you. Uh, engage with us on social media, please. And we'll see you back here soon for episode number six.